Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Spurs Cast, episode 642. My name is Paul Garcia and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Stephen Michael. In this episode, Stephen and I will discuss the Spurs closing the free throw scoring gap and the unofficial opening to the trade deadline. Let's jump right into this episode with Stephen. Stephen, how you doing? Hey Paul, doing well. Just doing some last minute Christmas shopping. How's it going over there? I'm doing pretty well myself, you know. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, we're going to get into this topic here, but the NBA is not doing so well, especially with the with um, what's going on with COVID right now. So we're going to go into that in a bit here, Stephen. So let's first begin, Spurs cast listeners, by um, by kind of uh, reviewing how the Spurs did since I last recorded. So it was over a week ago that I last recorded with um, Evan uh, Townsend, one of our newer writers on Project Spurs. Uh, since that, that that point of the last recording, the Spurs have gone 2-2 two and two in their last um, their last four games. So let's jump back, Stephen, to Thursday a week ago. And, and you and I, I do want to note, are recording this on a Thursday evening. Uh, so, so last Thursday, the Spurs picked up a pretty good win. They won by 12 against the Denver Nuggets in San Antonio. Uh, the Spurs were favored in this game by two against the Nuggets. They built an 18-point lead and got a pretty comfortable win. They never trailed in this game. Then on Saturday, just two nights later, that same Denver team, except missing Will Barton and the Spurs uh, getting better by getting Keldon Johnson, actually just demolished the Spurs. Um, they, the Spurs lost by 15 against Denver uh, at home still in San Antonio. Denver was favored in this game by one. And they ended up uh, building a 32-point lead, which is the most any opponent this season has built against the Spurs so far this season. So that was a really bad loss for San Antonio at home. Then to, uh, the next night on the second night of a back-to-back, the Spurs host the New Orleans Pelicans, and they pick up a pretty good win here. They went by 15 points uh, against the Pelicans. The Spurs were favored in this game by two, and they led by 19, so they've got a pretty comfortable win against the Pelicans. 
Then a few nights later, they got two days off the Spurs. Then they played Wednesday. They hosted the Charlotte Hornets. The Spurs went into this one favored by three points. The, the, the Hornets were, were without um, LaMelo Ball. And nope, Charlotte just dominated the Spurs. They, they ended up building a 30-point lead. They ended up winning by 16. And they just they just really um, you know outshot the Spurs from the three-point line. They really had a huge margin there um, uh, from the three-point scoring gap. Gordon Hayward went for 41 points in, in three quarters alone. None of the starters for Charlotte had to play in the fourth quarter because the, the, the gap was so big of, of the scoring gap. So overall, the Spurs did go two and two in these last four games um they should have gone three and one so that's kind of a disappointing uh week for them so steven what are your thoughts on the spurs team going to 500 these last uh these last four games well i mean flash four games overall they're two and two and then i guess i think on the homestand the five game homestand they were three and two so i mm. mean it's it, as you said it's like it's a crazy ride this season i mean they're they should have gone three and one the denver game i mean um I think that was probably their best-looking game, I think, of the season so far because they never trailed in the game. Um, as you know and as you've noted time and time again, when they trail by double digits, I think they only have one win the whole season. So. Correct, one in 16. <laughs> so, so I mean, like that's that's a positive that you, they never trail, so that's good. But And they built an 18-point lead. But, I mean, as you just said, the literally, I think, 48 hours later, that same Denver team who was missing Will Barton mm-hmm. completely destroyed them. So, I mean, that's the thing. And then Keldon Johnson was back uh, in that game as well. And, I mean, obviously he had a, an injury that he was out. So, it maybe had, uh, that affected him and kind of getting him back into rotation. I don't know. But, I mean, this team is a little bit Jekyll and high. You don't know what you're going to get night in and night out. Um and then against New Orleans, I think New Orleans, that game was kind of expected, honestly. I mean, New Orleans is having a lot of trouble, obviously, um, yeah. both on the court and off the court with Zion. And we know, we all know the story about Zion. So that was expected. The Charlotte game was really surprising to me because, I mean, Charlotte, I have them as a decent team. But I think the Spurs probably should have won that game. Uh, as you said, they dominated from three, and we all know, and, and I think this is still a problem with the Spurs, because when the mm-hmm. Spurs are not hitting from three, they seem to struggle, because, I mean, you can take the ball inside, you can do this and that, but, I mean, you got to hit threes now in the NBA if you want to win, and with this team being so, like I said, Jekyll and Hyde, and particularly from beyond the arc there, um, that's going to be a concern down the line, but, I mean, looking at their record now, they're 10-17, and 17, um, I mean, we all we all saw what happened when they went in the playing game last season. So I'm wondering, like, do you do you want them in the playing game this year? But I mean, um, it's just a, a lot of things going on with this team right now, Paul. And I mean, this Spurs team, I guess three and two on the homestand overall on the five game homestand. I will take that. But I mean, it probably should have been better than that. And now they're going to hit the road for three straight against um, Utah, Sacramento, and 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 the two LA teams there. So. It's it's gonna be a rough road. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, no, no. So actually, I, I, okay. So I was looking at that. So it was actually they went two and three on the homestand because they lost to the Knicks. So yeah, yeah. You, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like they had a homestand that was more favorable to them, and they still didn't. You know, they still didn't put up a winning See, record. Yeah, I gave so, them one more win, and they they probably should have had that one win too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So Stephen, you know, basically, uh, you know, had the perfect words. They're Jekyll and Hyde kind of team right now. Lately, I know that they had after that four game winning streak. Um, you know, a few few weeks ago, they, they've kind of you know they're still winning ball games, but the thing is they're not being consistent anymore. You know, Coach Pop had. 
had a really good quote about that Denver game. He basically said Denver, sh- you know, did what a losing team does. They came out and they learned from that lesson, you know, and they really dominated the Spurs in that next night. The Spurs didn't do that. And then, um, you know, against Charlotte, they, they, it's just been their, their defense on, on both of those nights against Denver and Charlotte where, where there's, these teams are just making a lot of threes against them. And so, you know, the players, they just basically say, you know, they weren't focused, that uh, things like that. And, you know, the, the opponents got hot. But the thing is, you know, it, for a team that's struggling and trying to get into that playing game, you know, they got they got to put some of these more consistent uh, uh, games together, especially like Stephen mentioned, this was a very favorable schedule for them. The fact that Vegas wanted them to predicted them to go three and one and instead they ended up going two and two. So like Stephen mentioned, the team is 10 and 17 now through 27 games. They haven't moved from 12th out west, so they're still 12th. But the thing is, because even though the Spurs, you know, have gone 500 over the last week, uh, there there are other teams that they're chasing aren't really doing too well themselves. The Spurs are actually just one game behind Sacramento, uh, who are currently in 10th. So they're so they're inching closer to being in that 10th spot for that playing game, uh, you know, rather than, than being further uh, getting a better lottery seed. So right now they do they stu- they still do have the sixth worst record uh, worst record in the league, which would would be the um, you know one of those the six pick 37 percent chance of the top four pick nine percent chance at number one uh, overall uh they're 18th on offense so they have moved up uh, they've gotten a little bit better offensively they moved up five spots since the last burst cast they have fallen though defensively uh they've fallen back to, to 16th they were 12th last time i recorded uh just some some player news um what's going on with some of these one of the players some of the players on the team lonnie walker the fourth he is listed as questionable uh, on friday against the utah jazz um he's out with gastroenteritis i think is, is the word i actually broke it up into to different syllables because it's so long of a word uh josh primo is is with austin so he's been playing with austin along with joe wieskamp and devon Monte Kaycock, but we know that with the Spurs finally getting healthy again, uh, they, they haven't they've been sending uh, Primo back to Austin. Uh, and then, um, you know, a player to keep an eye on is uh, Zach Collins because Coach Pop did mention a few, a few weeks ago that, you know, they are expecting him to, to return sometime after Christmas. So next week is Christmas officially on the calendar. So so maybe sometime like in early January we start to see maybe, um, you know, who knows if they right away bring Zach Collins to, to, to the San Antonio team or maybe they send him to Austin to get a few games, you know, get get back um, his conditioning, things like that. So, so again, we'll kind of see what's going to happen with Zach Collins. And then just kind of what I noted at the beginning of the episode with Steven is the fact that, you know, across the league, um, luckily for the Spurs, they have you know none of their players have have contacted um, um, COVID aside from when Jakob Perto and and, and uh, Jock Landale were in health and safety protocols a few weeks ago. But other than that, they, they they've been one of the teams who have been fortunate not to have any, any cases right now. But across the league, cases are really spiking, and this is interesting because uh, a team that Stephen mentioned, the Kings, uh, the Spurs played them on Sunday coming up, and they're currently when I looked at their injury report as of tonight uh, on Thursday, they actually have five players out or, or listed in the health and safety protocols. And according to Micah Adams of Sporting News. There's just been an explosion of, of players becoming uh, going into health and safety protocols across the league. Now, 47 players alone in December now, um, as of Thursday evening, have gone into health and safety protocols this month alone. Uh, so, Stephen, do you have any comments there uh, about some of these, uh, you know, these, these news, uh, news items? Yeah, so I'm going to go first off Zach Collins. Um, so Zach Collins is a player that I was excited for the Spurs team to sign because I saw what he did in Portland, and he's a good He's a good big in the paint. He can also hit the hit three, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do there. Uh, I think he can bring a lot of fire to this team. That I mean, this team already has fire with Yaka in the mm-hmm. uh, in the middle there, and then um, you know Thad Young. But we're going to get to Thad in a minute. But I mean, I'm excited to see Zach on the court for this Spurs team to see what he can do. Obviously, I'm not expecting him to go out there and have just to, just to dominate because he has to get himself back into shape. You know, well playing mm-hmm. shape, I should say, because I mean he's been out for a while, so. That'll take some time for him to get used to that and get used to playing with these guys. But, I mean, this guy is a proven solid big guy in, in the NBA today. This is exactly what 
the Spurs need uh, moving forward, even even beyond this season, Paul. They need a, a big. They can hit three. Think of like a Nikola Jokic. Think of a, a, a of a, a Kristaps Porzingis, a big that can hit the three. Uh, we we talked about it last time I was on. You know, Drew Drew Eubanks can start hitting threes now, and we I found that out in the preseason. So I mean, um, yeah, that's good. So I'm excited to see Zach, see what he can do there. Uh, but yeah, the the big story, COVID is affecting the NBA, not just in the NBA, but a lot of the major sports yes, now. Correct. But mm-hmm. go, since we're talking NBA, uh, you said Spurs play Sunday, and, I'm th- and I saw it. I was like, do they? <laughs> I mean, yeah. At this point, we don't know. I mean, I mean, technically, it is on the schedule, but we just don't know if they play there or not because I mean, that's something I'm going to be watching for, and I know I know you will as well, but. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, you know, I know a lot of these teams are fully vaccinated and everything's going on with these variants and Omicron and things like that. So, I mean, Spurs are fortunate, as you said, to not have, um, you know, have cases right now. I know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, Sacramento's coach, Alvin Gentry, or interim coach, excuse me, Alvin Gentry has COVID. He's going to be sitting out as well. Um, You know, this is affecting coaches. So hopefully, fingers crossed, the pop doesn't, He's he's an older man, obviously. Don't want to see Pop get COVID or even get even tested for it. It I mean, we we don't want to see that as as riders of this team. We do not want to see the coach get COVID, especially someone of Pop's age. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now Use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, no, for sure. And then, you know, just like you said, you know, there's, there's been multiple. There, I think there's three coaches out right now who are in quarantine, uh, you know, in, in the league. And then also another team to keep an eye on is the Lakers. They, the Spurs play them next Thursday, and they also have, I think, four or five cases as well. So our players going into into health and safety protocols. So, again, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see what's going on. I mean, it's almost like, you know, throughout the day, sometimes Shams and, and Woj are just tweeting like, like like five to six players or, you know, each each time we get an alert from them instead of instead of normally being like a trade news or somebody sign a team signed somebody else. No. It's, it's it's like it's COVID, you know. That's this is what what's going on right now with um, you know just like you said the spike in the league. So again, this 
that's that's something to watch. Is yes, right now we're gonna have a discussion about basketball and about you know trade trade rumors and all this stuff. But you know the league could you know we'll see what happens because you know they are having discussions with the players' association as well about how they're gonna you know go forth with this with this with this spike in cases. And, and like Stephen mentioned, this is happening everywhere: the NFL, hockey, um, um, soccer, every a, a lot of different sp- sports. But then also uh, in society, you know, the cases are just are just going up worldwide right now. So again, we'll kind of see what happens uh, with with the latest with uh, with the COVID nineteen uh, virus that's still out there and affecting uh, the NBA and everything else. Uh, so let's go to our second topic, Stephen. And this is, um, you know, the Spurs with with uh, Derek White's improvement kind of turning back into Derek White, which which we talked about at length last week in last week's episode. What we've kind of noticed, though, is that the Spurs are starting to um, kind of uh, neutralize an area that was, that was a big weakness for them at the beginning of the season. That was the free throw line battle. So... Overall now, through 27 games, the Spurs are only a minus five total points from the free throw line. That's really big because this is a team that just wasn't getting to the free throw line at all. We kind of expected that with DeMar DeRozan gone. Uh, and then also on defense, they were, they were pretty good about being one of those top five teams of not putting the opponent on the free throw line. So we've really seen this um, this this uh, this increase in attempts for the team uh, with Derek White's improved play. So let's go. Let's look at the first nine games of the season. In the first nine, the Spurs were only averaging about 16.8 um, free throws a game, which is 27th. Then the second nine games of the season, they were averaging 16.2 free throw attempts, which is 30th, dead last. Now, all of a sudden, the last nine games, they're averaging 20.7 free throw attempts, which is 19th. So, again, not a top 10 free throw team, which we didn't expect that, but at least not, not you know, bottom five in the league uh, right now during these last uh, nine games. And so, you know, when you look at the player-by-player breakdowns, the only player who really sticks out on the team who's really increased his free throws is Derek White. He's gone in the last 10 games. He's scoring 19.1 points per game. He's actually the leading scorer in the last 10. And he's he's gone from 2.9 um, free throws for the season to 4.8 free throw attempts, uh, you know, right now during these last 10 games. And so because of that, the team is, is benefiting. So so we do notice that, um, you know, that's one area where the Spurs are starting to neutralize and not be at a, at a, at a huge disadvantage. So when we look at the floor um, overall, you know, where the Spurs have their biggest winning areas. Right now they're winning the paint by about 7 points, 6.7 points per game. And it's mainly off those floater shots. They really outscore the opponents by 9 points off those like those those, those non-restricted area floater type um, shots. They're a really good team at, at shooting there. They're, they're number two in accuracy from that range. Where are they basically like almost tied with their opponents? They're basically tied in like mid-range scoring, the free throw line now, and also like the, at Duncan and the layup rim attempts. So they're, they're outscoring opponents by 1.2 points per game in, in the mid-range, which they're starting to d- decrease those shots a lot more the free throw line now like i mentioned it's a minus 0.1 points per game so it's not really a huge issue the dunk layup it's not too big it's not too bad they're only a minus 2.4 so again just two points uh, less than their opponent so where are they losing the the, the battle still this is what steven mentioned earlier you know they're still losing the three-point line that's their biggest um weakness right now they're they're, they're getting outscored by 8.4 points per game from the three-point line um we, we noticed that their defense is not doing well they're 21st in opponent three-pointers made they're 24th in opponent three-point percentage then of course on offense the spurs just don't take a lot of threes they're, they're 29th in, in threes made and they're also 14th in accuracy which is pretty good to be league average but again the fact that their volume is so low it doesn't really help them there mathematically so do you have any comments there steven about the free throw line you know them neutralizing that that big weakness for them with Derek's improved play yeah so i'm first my touch on Derek's improved play because i mean i mean we, we saw spurs twitter and I'll, I'll go a step further and maybe even spurs facebook if you don't have a facebook i envy you because i mean i, I don't have a facebook so <laughs> i envy you yeah so i mean like i said the people are going crazy on there you know trade Derek white i mean i don't know he's not playing that well but as you said these last 10 games 19 points a game four free throw mm-hmm. attempts per game he's really stepped it up these past couple uh the past 10 games or so and i'll even go further i think maybe even the past month or so he's really stepped it up for this team and i think that's something the spurs really needed they needed obviously we know what dejounte murray can do 
He's done it on both ends of the floor, night in, night out. Of course, he's going to have those games where, you know, everyone struggles once in a while. It's normal. It's the NBA. But Mm -hmm. Derek White is a player, I think, that really needs to be that quote unquote next go to guy other than DeJounte. And I think he's starting to he is starting to be that for the Spurs. And when him and DeJounte are on and Jakob is added into that mix, the Spurs play very well. And we see it right now. You talked about them winning in the paint and I think Jakob is a huge reason why for that. Going into the um you know the free throws, uh, I think the free throws uh, are getting a lot better. Um and I think right now, you know this is this is a test to this, this team because they're playing much more aggressive. And yes, that's not, that's not always going to result in wins. Obviously, I mean it hasn't in the this this week, for example, it hasn't resulted in wins. But they're making the shots when they need to. And yeah. talking about okay. that three point line again, I mean, like I said, if you are going to win basketball games in this modern NBA, you're going to need to hit threes. I mean, Steph Curry just broke Ray Allen's record, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, um, for you know most three-pointers uh, in a single – in a uh, you know, most, most three-pointers. So, I mean, and good for him, and he's not done yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's just the prime example of that. So this Spurs team needs to get a little more consistent going from three. And like I said, with DeJounte Murray and Derek White as your you know go-to scorers and Derek can hit the three consistently – I think this Spurs team can do very, very well. But I will say, Paul, one last note. The mid-range, we talked about this last year. When the Spurs had DeMar DeRozan, you know, they had, you know, LaMarcus, they had uh, Rudy Gay, those mid-range guys. I did not expect them to do as well from the mid-range as they have this season, considering those three guys are gone. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've done well for themselves. Yeah, I just had a few comments based on what you just said there. So, um, you know, the first thing is, you're right, you know, with Derek White there, I think that we see that improvement offensively because now it's no longer just on DeJounte's shoulders to have to carry the offense from night to night. Now there's basically, on some nights now, there's a, there's a 20-point score, there's two 20-point scorers on the Spurs. There's Derek and DeJounte, and as we see in these last 10 games, Derek's actually been the more the, the player more consistently scoring on uh, the scoring, and, you know, we, we know DeJounte's putting up the triple doubles and things like that. He helps out in other areas. But, yeah, I think that it's harder to, 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 to defend the Spurs team when they have two players that are really uh, excelling and playing very well so I think that's one one reason why we've seen them um, you know get better um, offensively is the fact that Derek's playing so well now uh, in that area and then coach Pop just had a quote just yesterday you know before the game against the um, the Hornets he basically I don't, re- I don't remember the quote verbatim but he basically said you know if all you shoot is twos you're gonna lose like basically that's kind of what Pop knows like it's just that you know they have to he, he's kind of you know they, they've tried to emphasize threes I know he wants more quality shots some more wide open threes um, but you know that that's just something where uh, they're still struggling and so I do want to let uh, this is gonna be a funny story here Steven so this past week, um, or this past weekend, uh, you know, I was covering one of the games, and uh, you know, the Spurs. I had been putting out these charts on Twitter where the Spurs were really showing their wide open three point accuracy, uh, not not um, what opponent percentage of wide open threes, right? So, so they had been doing a great job of taking away the, those those threes during a lot of that, the, the, those winning games. And then, so, you know, I, I thought, you know, this is a good time to ask Pop about whether or not, you know, that, that he's seen that himself, you know, them taking away, getting better at the guarding the three. And nope, Pop got me on this question, but he was also telling the truth because it ended up showing showing up later on this week. So the way it works is I, 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 asked, I, I asked Pop, I said, Coach, what do you think of your team's defense guarding the perimeter, guarding the three? And he says, what do I think of it? It's okay. That's all he told me. And so I was like, okay. And so then I tried to press a little bit more and try to get more info, and I just go, I go, um, there's been a dip in the opponent percentage of wide open threes. Is that something you uh, you all have been working on? Have you seen improvement there? And he says, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You can you can improve on everything. It's a game of mistakes. You can pick out any stat you want. 
and yeah, we want to improve. So Pop, you know, kind of gave me like a very short answer. And, and at first, you know, I was like, well, the, you know, the data shows this. But then, nope, just a few nights later, they ended up getting, you know, buried from three by Denver and then by the Hornets. So, yeah, I, I, again, so sometimes the, the stats, you know, you can't rely too much on those because, you know, the, the eye test is a lot different. And so I, as we see here, they're still having their big issues from the three-point line, which is a, a key reason why um, they're losing a lot of these games. So, yeah, I just want to share that little anecdote from this past week. Um, you know where Pop you know, you basically saw something different than what, what the data was showing uh, in, in that interaction. All right, so now um, let's go, Stephen, into our last topic here. And this is, you know, the official, the unofficial opening to the trade deadline. So so one thing that, I don't know, Spurscasters, if you've seen on social media and, and different sites, uh, we, we do know that December 15th was an important date in the NBA because that is the day that all the players, who most of the players, should I say, that signed their deals in, in free agency, they are now eligible to be traded. So basically from December 15th on through February 10th, which is the official trade deadline, um, that's going to be the, the the time to start watching whether or not uh, deals start picking up, and, and you know there's going to be more rumors coming out. And so, so sure enough, we saw the Spurs involved in two rumors uh, this past week because of that that deadline that that finally that finally passed. So let's begin first with the Thaddeus Young rumor. And if you've listened to the Spurs cast since back in September, this is not an actual old rumor. This is actually one that that we've talked about first. Michael DeLeon and I talked about this rumor in September, and then Stephen actually looked at the notes from our last episode, you and I together. It was early October, and we discussed this exact same topic with the same rumor. So let's. Let's just go back to what happened this past week. Uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported this past week that this, the Phoenix Suns are trying to move Jalen Smith, uh, and the Spurs have frequently been linked to, to him as a suitor. Then he also mentioned, um, Fisher, that Phoenix is rumored to have strong interest in Thaddeus Young. So like I mentioned, you know, Mike and I discussed this back in September when Thad first landed with the Spurs uh, via that sign-and-trade with DeRozan. And then, Stephen, you and I discussed this as well in early October when at that time the rumor was that Phoenix still had interest in Thad Young, but for now they were going to open the season you know, tr- not trying to make a trade. So the reason why I think that, that, that Thad Young and, and Jalen Smith um, you know, rumor continues to float around even, even two or three months later is the fact that it's a really easy de- deal for both teams, and I think they can both get um, you know, different uh, aspects of uh, players out of it that they want and also you know, for the Spurs probably getting some picks. So there's, there's basically two really easy packages for San Antonio Phoenix to make this worth. Package A, the Spurs sent Thaddeus Young and Kata Bates job to, uh, to Phoenix for Dario Saric and, and uh, Jalen Smith. And maybe, you know, who knows, two first, second round picks. I'm not sure that Phoenix would give a first round pick for, for Thad Young at this point. Or package B, it could be you know Thad Young and Drew Eubanks for the same the same players, uh, just to make the salaries work. Sarich, Jalen Smith, and you know again whatever picks that, that Phoenix will be willing to send, and and and, and you, you you do probably have to ta- if you're San Antonio you have to attach a second player either Bates Job or, or or Eubanks. They have a very similar contract range because the Spurs are full at the, at their roster spot. I know Phoenix has one open roster spot, but San Antonio is fully um you know they have f- 15 guaranteed players on on full guaranteed deals. So that's why if the Spurs do send Thad to a, a team like. Phoenix, Phoenix, they would need to um, send a second player with him, or they would have to wave someone on their team first, which you know they probably wouldn't want to do that, uh, and then and then send that. So uh, you know, again, Stephen, since back in October, I've asked you about this. Uh, you know, what are your uh, your thoughts on this on this uh, this rumor coming back? Well, first off, if Phoenix gives up a first round pick for for Thaddeus Young. I'm thinking, give me what y'all are smoking because y'all are crazy. First of all, but I mean, you know, for real, I think. I okay, so we we talked about this before. I said we, we, as soon as the Spurs signed him, or excuse me, they traded for him whenever they got mm-hmm. a, a DeRozan was traded. Um, I will say that I feel that he was going to be traded from the beginning. He was not going to stick with his team the whole season. And then we um, I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. Uh, we heard like his wife was complaining on Twitter though he's not playing that much or something, or on Instagram. Sorry, he's not playing that much or whatever. So. 
the the cards are lining up for him to be traded, and he, and he knows it. I'm sure the Spurs know it, so they're trying to work a deal out. Now, Saric is someone, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was rumored uh, to be in the in the Spurs' interest when they were uh, floating Lamarcus Aldridge trade rumors out there. Correct. Uh, from what I, I'm not too sure. That was, that was a while back for me for my uh, brain to remember. So. All right. Wait, I, I, I remember his name popping up a few times, so it might have been somebody else. Mm. But, okay, so, I mean, yeah. So, he, I'm, Sarge is someone I think, like, like I said before with um, with Collins, I'm thinking that's a, a guy I, w- I would not mind the Spurs trading for. I mean, Kata Bates-Diop is someone is, is you know, he's a, an, a decent role player, young, is a guy that wants to be traded. I mean, um and then for Phoenix, on the side of Phoenix, you got Smith and Sarge. I mean, two young uh, pieces right there. So, I mean, I, I would be okay with that. Young and Eubanks going, I'm thinking, again, what would you really get in return um, in, in that deal? I'm kind of curious to see what Phoenix will kind of offer in that mm-hmm. scenario. Um, it would have to be worth it. So, I mean, the easy I, – I, in my opinion, I like the easy one. The easy one, Sarge and Smith, Young and Kata Bates Diop. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. It, the, the pick, the the money works. Mm-hmm. You know, everything works out there. And I think I think both sides would be happy with that because, like I said, Thaddeus Young is not getting much playing time anyways. I think yeah. Smith is an upgrade over Kata Bates Diop, and Sarge is an upgrade over Young. So I mean, I think both sides win in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the way Pop's rotations have been, I mean, it, it pretty much, like, the writing's on the wall, basically. Like, we, we, Dad Young's already had five DNPs this season. Um, you know, even 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 when it looked like, oh, look, he took Drew Eubanks' minutes, and, and that's, a, you know, for three or four games that looked like the rotation, he was the first big off the bench. Then all of a sudden he started getting his DNPs again. So I think, yeah, the writing's on the wall, whether it's through a trade or maybe if it's even a buyout in February after the after the deadline passes, if they can't, if they can't move him. I think that, yeah, I, I don't see him being on the team for the entire season. I think we've talked about that here on the Spurs cast. So, yeah. So again, this, I think this rumor continues to pop up because it's such an easy trade to make for both teams. And again, if the Spurs really do have interest in Jalen Smith, who's a young player who's going to be, I think, a, a, an unrestricted free agent this this uh, coming off season, well then yeah, now it's the time to you know try to try to try to trade for him. The, again, the deal kind of works for, for for both teams pretty easily. And I'm you know I'm looking at Phoenix's picks, and they don't have a lot of first round picks until um, you know. Um, until I, they have like some protections, with, with, they're they're involved in it with OKC for for a number of years. I think until 2026, but they do have all their second round picks. So maybe you know if they get uh, if the Spurs get like maybe like two second round picks for Thad Young. Who knows if that's what, what maybe the, the, these teams are looking at? So again, that rumor I think is going to continue to get floated until either Young gets moved or um, Jalen Smith gets moved. And then just some other teams to keep an eye on regarding Thaddeus Young. Um, again, I, I'm. There's been no rumor here. I don't want to, again. I don't want to report that there's any interest between the Spurs and Boston, but just keep Boston as as a team to keep an eye on. The reason why I continue to bring them up is just because they have that really big trade exception. I think it's like seventeen million dollars, so they could absorb Dad Young's deal, and and the Spurs wouldn't have to take back any players from Boston. So again, that's only if Boston had interest. Uh, they're a team to keep an eye on for Dad Young, and then you know just the other contenders out there. It's really tough to find a deal. So when I'm saying contenders, I'm looking at the Utah Jazz, the the Warriors, the Bucks, the Heat, and the Nets, and then along with Phoenix. And so when I when I, I really went through each um, team's salary pages and it's really hard to, to find a deal with these teams because they don't have a, a large enough trade exception for Thad Young and then all the players that would it would take to, to get to 14 million dollars in salary those are all good players on their teams that these teams would these contenders would not want to give up you know to to try to acquire Thad Young so again when we're talking about contenders um, playoff teams I think that right now Phoenix is is the leader to try to get that young just because it works salary wise um, so easily between them and the Spurs did you have any uh, comments there yeah, I mean Boston. I mean, I guess I've I haven't heard anything either. But I mean, Ime Udoka, obviously coach for Boston, was the assistant coach with with under Pop. And I mean, I'm pretty sure like 
they have they still talk and things like that. So I mean, of course, if if anything like that ever came up, would not be surprised. Um, you know, I I don't see the Spurs really having anything that Utah, Golden State, Milwaukee, you know, the Nets. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I would love Patty Mills back in San Antonio. And I'm sure a lot of fans would too. But I just don't see them giving him up or Miami. I I don't see. Anything that the Spurs have that other teams really want in that scenario of those teams, so I don't think that those would be an option. I'm not saying they're not going to be, but I just don't see that as an option. But like I said, um, Boston, I would, I, I mean, that's something I would definitely keep an eye on as well because just basically only reason, as you said, they have enough money to absorb Dad's deal. That's the only reason why. Um, but. It'll be interesting. I, I I don't see, like I said, I'll repeat it again. I don't see Thad staying on the Spurs past the trade deadline. Um, if he, I mean, he is a solid big for what he can contribute right now in the NBA. And um, like I said, if the Spurs can get something in return for him, great. That's awesome. If they cannot, they'll just buy out his contract and let him go on to wherever he wants. And mm-hmm. I'm more interested in this, Paul. And I'm curious to know what you think. Do you think the Spurs would actually sign someone out of a, 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 someone who got bought out. Do you think someone would wait for that window to close and see if they get someone? And if they do, do you think it would be a veteran type of player like a Thad Young, considering this first team is so young? Yeah, no, right now, I, I don't think that would happen. I just think that they would continue it because, you know, just signaling that they're not going to give, you know, put that in their, their main rotations a lot of times. And also a guy who we're about to talk, to, talk about next year, Brent Forbes, I do think that's a signal that they do want to go fully into, you know, how much, you know, where can this young team go? Whether it, maybe that even means getting a young prospect as, a, as, that, as that, uh, that new player on, onto the team. Uh, if they, so, again, that's kind of where I think. I don't, I don't know if they, you know, get a locker room presence, a veteran presence uh, for this team. I think they kind of like that, the, the, you know, the kind of team that they have right now with these young players, like letting DeJounte be the leader, you know, Derek White, all those, all those young players. Yeah, that's what I was asking because if you remember, I, I talked about this before, we've, and I'm sure you and I have talked about this privately too, where Patty Mills was that leader type of player mm-hmm. uh, in the locker room for these guys. And Pop said that m- multiple times throughout the last couple of years. And when he left, we were talking about who's going to be that leader now for the Spurs. And uh, at the time, we didn't know. Now it's turning out to be DeJounte Murray, it seems to be. So if they're going to go with that route, like you said, that I could easily see them just you know letting Thad go and then leaving an open roster spot if, you know, God forbid, somebody gets hurt or something like that, just fill it. I mean, that's the only route I could see happening. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, so then the other player that was mentioned in rumors this past week was Bryn Forbes, who's kind of just like Thaddeus, where he, he's, he's, a, he's the other veteran on the team. He also hasn't really had a, a very consistent um, minutes pattern with the team so far. Just the other day, he had a DNP for the first time this season. A lot of times, Coach Pop will, will just like completely not bring him in in the first quarter at all. He brings him maybe the second quarter, or he doesn't play him at all in the half. And then sometimes he just plays him, you know, th- puts him in the third quarter or, or just the fourth. So again, Bryn's kind of been a player to watch as well because he hasn't really been, uh, you know, a full part of the rotation because, uh, um, you know, Again, like the, like the, the Spurs are really uh, wanting to give those minutes to Devin Vassell, to Lonnie Walker, the fourth, Trey Jones, all those younger younger players. They want them to get the minutes right now. So, so what was the rumor? Uh, per Sham Sharani of the Athletic, he reported this past week that um, contending teams are expected to have interest in Bryn Forrest before the. Um, the trade deadline of February 10th. And so again, he didn't clarify who the teams are. So when I look at, when I hear the word contending teams, I, I have two ways of, of checking, uh, you know, who's a contender. I try to look at teams that have um, records over 700 who, who are winning 70% of their games. And also t- traditionally teams who are, who are both top 10 in offense and defense. And so when we do that, we do find that there are, um, 
six teams that meet those criteria. Well, not all the criteria, but at least meet the top 10 offense and defense. That's the Golden State Warriors, the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, and the Brooklyn Nets. So again, those are kind of the teams when, it, when he says contending that I'm kind of just looking at initially. And so what I did was I went through all their, all their salary sheets and I tried to find, you know, what's the easiest way to make a Bryn Forbes trade for these teams? Um, you know, and, and again, the, none of these teams are reporting We're not reporting that they have interest in, in Bryn Forbes, but again, these just the fact that Shams said contending teams. So let's start off with the Jazz. They could make a deal pretty uh, easily for Forbes because they have a, a $7.5 million trade exception. Basically, they wouldn't have to, ba- they wouldn't have to send a, a player to San Antonio. They would, San Antonio just sent Bryn Forbes to, to Utah. Maybe Utah sends like draft rights to an international prospect and like and like a uh, you know and like a second round pick that kind of situation so again uh, the jazz can make a deal work pretty 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 easily with the spurs um you know if they want to bring forbes because they have that that trade exception the the suns actually can make an easy trade as well if they don't include that young so the way this could work is you could just straight up basically trade up um, straight straight up trade jalen smith for Bryn forbes their salaries are very close to each other so you can make that work for for both teams and again again you know maybe maybe i don't know if, if picks even need to be involved if the spurs do like jalen smith a lot as a young prospect maybe they just want to get him on the team so then they send Bryn Forbes to Phoenix that that's a deal that could work the Bucks are a tricky team because um because they have multiple players who are like in that four million dollar salary range and so the two players that I'm kind of looking at are either Dante DiVincenzo even though I know he was a big part of their team last year the fact that he got hurt and then right now he's also um he, he, he's barely recovering uh, from injury but then he's been out of the rotation because now he just got put into health and safety protocols and he's going to be a, a, a restricted free agent next offseason so again maybe DiVincenzo you're looking at or if not George Hill just because the Bucks do have a lot of of, of, of players who are, um, who are more like shooting guard type players and, and the fact that we, we know that they want some three-point shooting because they did go out and sign Wesley Matthews to a non-guaranteed deal so maybe we that that is a sign when you go and sign Wesley Matthews that's a sign that you you probably want some shooting on your team and of course Bryn played there last year he wanted to ring with them he knows their system you know he could easily fit in with them so again there, there's multiple players the Bucks have that, that are on that four million dollar salary range so I think they can make a deal happen it, it would just be on Milwaukee to you know who would they want to give up in terms of a lot of their players are rotation players who, who are important to their team uh, the Miami Heat, it's a very tough to build a, a Bryn Forbes type of deal because they don't have a trade exception. And then a lot of their players, they're either really high salary players or if not, they're a lot of players on, on minimums. So it's hard to put a package together for, for, for the Heat. Uh, the Nets are a team that can make two different types of deals happen for Forbes. They have a $6.3 million trade exception. So that, so just like the Jazz, they could basically acquire Bryn and then, and then just send some some assets to San Antonio uh, that don't have to be players. It could be you know international um, draft rights and, and, and second round picks or something like that. Or if not, they could send um, a player like um, um Javon Carter for Forbes that that, that salary wise that that works pretty uh, pretty well for the for the for both teams and um and then uh what do you call it and then yeah and then the Nets would just have to weigh one player so I know that it's a lot of information Stephen uh, did you have any comments on you know this this rumor about Forbes contending teams having interest in him yeah so I mean like for example you, you say how you look at contending teams I'm thinking I just look at the teams who have the best shot to win a championship and we came up with the same five so I mean it's perfect mm-hmm. so I mean like you know Golden State Utah Phoenix Milwaukee uh Brooklyn Miami so yeah though I mean like I said I can see Brent Forbes on any of those teams in all honesty mm-hmm. um I mean, personally, from a selfish point of view, I would love to see uh, Dante DiVincenzo, basically, just because I love how I, st- I love his name. But on a serious note, I mean, the guy played very well for Milwaukee. He played very before he got hurt. He played. Uh, he was a solid role player for Milwaukee. Solid off the bench. I believe he started a couple of games in the playoffs before he got hurt too. So yeah, he was a starter. Yeah. So I mean, um, you know, he was a, a a very very good player for Milwaukee. I would love to see that. George Hill, and I mean, again, George Hill is someone who we know in San Antonio. 
I mean, George Hill was loved in Santo before he was traded, and I'm sure Pop would love to have him back. But, I mean, Dante Givincenzo, I think, is the better bet of those two if if a trade happens uh, with Milwaukee and the Spurs. Um, but I, I – see, this is a, a tricky one because when I – I still remember when that rumor of Bryn Forbes uh, – not rumor, sorry. When, when I think it was Shams or Woj, one of them, one of them broke the the news the Spurs were signing Forbes. It was Shams, I think. Sorry, mm-hmm. it was. I think it was Shams. Okay, mm-hmm. so I I remember eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, midnight. I'm thinking, oh boy, wait till people wake up in the morning. And so now we're on the other end of this, where Forbes is reportedly. You know, per Shams, you know, possibly in the mix to be traded. Who knows? And I'm thinking, you know, was signing him kind of just like a waste of a player? Because, I mean, not just not. I'm not saying that Brent Forbes is a bad player. I'm not saying that at all. But he Mm -hmm. and you know this, Paul, he's not been consistent. In his in his time in San Antonio, this second go around, it took him a little bit to really just find his groove again. And I mean, but he proved himself in Milwaukee. I mean, he proved he can be a solid backup uh, guy off the bench who can hit the three. I think he, I, I, I'm pretty sure he went like six for six at one point with Milwaukee in the playoffs at some at one time. So I mean, he's a solid player. So I mean, he just can't find himself. With this in the second go around with the Spurs, and so I think there's a better chance of Thad being traded than Brent Forbes at this point. If it really gets to the point where you know Pop is like, you know what, Brent, you know we just can't find a spot for you. I could see Brent asking, you know, uh, to kind of like re-release from his contract and, and sign with another team. I could see that happening, but I, at this point, I see more Thad being traded first over mm-hmm. Brent Forbes. Yeah, and so, um, you know, just two comments there. So one team I, I realized just right now that I did leave off the, this list here was the Warriors. Um, so it's really tough, though, for Golden State to build a deal for Bryn Forbes because all of their players who are kind of in a salary range, those are like their young, you know, lottery-type players, like, like you know, K- uh, Moses Moody, you know, those kind of players. They're not going to give up those players for, for Bryn Forbes. Um, you, you know, so we just know that already. And, and then to, to get, you know, some of their role players, their veteran players, it's hard to put a package because they would have to trade like three or four of them. It's just, what, it's just really tough to make a, a deal for the Warriors. Plus, they're, they're already over the tax by so many so much million dollars. Um, so, so Okay, that's kind of one comment on, on the, why the Warriors probably aren't, aren't, uh, wouldn't work out as a, as a trade destination for Forbes. And then two, um, you know, I kind of go back to what you just said there, Steven. It was a little puzzling in the summer when they when they when they when they reached that deal with him, you know, for for you know um, about that it was like four point five million dollars, and, and you really felt that yeah, like you know, he was going to be part of the rotation. The fact that they were bringing him in. But as we've seen, you know, and I think he's actually played very well. You know, I look at the stats and he's actually really good. Of course, you know, the big the big issue for him is defense. So that's why I think a lot of times Pop doesn't want to have him out there. But again, just looking at the direction the team is going and the fact that they don't they don't bring him in second quarter, they don't bring him into the second quarter. Some not, he's already gotten into DNP. You know, he's really fallen out of the rotation. And, and I think that's intentional by the coaching staff. They really want to give those minutes to Lonnie, to Trey Jones, to um, Devin Vassell. And so, again, it kind of makes you wonder if, you know, if you wanted to give the younger players all these minutes, what was the point of kind of bringing Brent Forbes? Because if it was to tackle the three-point shooting issue, well, then he's not getting the minutes to even be out there uh, uh, to even help the team with the three. So, again, 
um, again, I think that's why um, you know teams are going to start looking at him, you know, as as a player before that that February tenth deadline gets here is the fact that yeah, he's he's a really good shooter. He's having a good season right now statistically, and I think that yeah, any like you said, Stephen, he would fit any anywhere with any of these teams. It's just that you know who, who's the team that actually really wants to go after him, and are the Spurs willing to trade him? So so again, that's kind of something to watch. Again, we have basically a little less than two months now from from now until um that trade deadline of February tenth, and so we'll kind of see what happens. I think I think I'm with Stephen where I think that the 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 the, the strong signal is that 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 young will be the player who ends up getting traded more so on, on this roster. Paul, real quick, before you go on, go uh, let me just add real quick to that. Yeah. Going back to what I said earlier, the, the initial signing of Forbes, I'm thinking I, I felt maybe, you know, coming into this season before a single game was played, the Spurs obviously were going into rebuild mode. So, you know, DeMar, everybody, all the veterans are gone. I, I, I originally thought this signing was going to be for two reasons. One, as you said, to tackle the three point issue, because they, they they made those signings early. You got Doug McDermott, good three point shooter. You know all these guys coming in, they can they are filling up the role, so to speak. We didn't know what Devin Vassell was going to be capable before the season. Now you get bringing Forbes, who is a capable three point shooter and who has proven himself. Like I said, who's been having a good season, who had a rough start to the season and has been playing a lot better as of late. Defensively, he is a liability. I think we all know that. There's a disagreement there, but I'm going back. Like I said. What exactly was the reason for the signing if you're just going to either trade him or possibly even, you know, let him go? If if it gets to that point, which I don't think it will, but in the event it does. So I'm just curious, like, what exactly was going through the the heads of, like, the the higher-ups of the Spurs when they signed him? Because... It seems like it was it's turning into a waste of a wa- roster spot because you are, as you said, you know, giving those minutes to Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, you know, the, the younger uh, uh, players of this team. So, I mean, and I don't mean any, any disrespect by saying this, but like it seems like, you know, Brent is kind of just like, quote unquote, rotting away on the bench when mm-hmm. he could possibly, and maybe this is why it's coming up, he could be playing and contending to, for, uh, contributing, excuse me, to one of these uh, contenders right now. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, you know, that's something to see, you know, if the Spurs are able to trade him and get, you know, some, some draft assets, you know, maybe maybe a second round pick or something, then it, it makes the move, you know, look, look okay. The fact that, yeah, like, I mean, and, and again, it was, it, uh, he did sign for 4.5 million. It's not like he got like, you know, the mid-level exception or thing like that. Uh, but it, it, it was just an interesting move. The fact that, and I, just the fact that you brought up McDermott's name, it's interesting how he's kind of fit in. And, and, you know, I know they signed him to $14 million or whatever that was. And, and he, had, he is an integral part of this team. That's, that's a player that they want here for, for a number of years uh, based on the deal that they gave him. So yeah, it's just interesting to watch. And again, you know, now that the, that the, that the, that that December fifteenth deadline has passed, it does seem like we're going to start starting to see a lot more different trade rumors. Of course, you know, there's there was all that whole uh, Ben Simmons drama a few weeks ago, where you know there was there was quotes that that apparently he wouldn't mind playing in San Antonio. And so we we talked about Ben Simmons a lot here on the Spurs Cast, Spurs Cast listeners. So we're not going to go back into to Ben Simmons. But of course, if more more rumors start coming out that the Spurs are really interested in him and you know all this stuff, then we'll, of course we'll, we'll we'll go over that here on the Spurs Cast. So uh, before we we uh, finish this episode, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, Stephen continues. To provide his game-by-game analysis after each Spurs game. Uh, Jonas Clark is covering the Austin Spurs, so he's, he's providing different updates on, on the Austin Spurs. So if you want to uh, get, get the latest on Josh Primo, on Joe Wieskamp, and, and Devontae Kaycock, you can follow Jonas's work there. Uh, and then also, um, our latest uh, draft piece was by Benjamin Bornstein and Evan Townsend, where they had kind of a back-and-forth um, kind of Q&A kind of um, um, piece where they where it was called Front Court Draft Prospects the Spurs Should Have on Their Radar. So again, Ben and, 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 and Evan give their kind of their thoughts on, on you know some of the draft prospects right now. And of course, because the Spurs are doing a little bit better, their, their draft odds don't don't look as good as they did a few weeks ago when they were on that six-game losing streak. All right, so thanks to Stephen for joining me here on the Spurs cast. Thanks also to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.